TED Audio Collective. And that is what changed me. That is what made me no longer ever want to do anything like that again. Are you saying I changed you? Canva presents unexplained appearances. It was an ordinary workday until... That presentation appeared out of thin air. Also, it's eerily on brand. Wait, did that agenda just write itself? Words appear, making this unexplainable case... Unexplainable? It's Canva's AI tools. I can generate slides and words in seconds. Really? The real mystery is why I'm only learning this now. Canva.com. Designed for work. Hey, and welcome back to Conversations with People Who Hate Me, the show where I use negative online interactions as a starting point for offline conversations. I'm your host, Dylan Marin. Today, I'm speaking to a man named Jesse, but this time the roles are reversed. In this conversation, I'm the one owning up to something I've done on the internet that I'm not proud of. Some background. A few years ago, I was working for a digital television network, and in my time there, I made a lot of videos that satirically talked about social issues. Some of them have been the catalyst for comments discussed on this podcast. Now, every so often, I was given the opportunity to go out into the world and film a field piece where I could interview real humans rather than simply comedically commenting on intangible ideas in a studio. So, as the 2016 presidential campaign was in full swing, I wanted to comment on the hot button topic of political corruption. Specifically, my take that those against PC culture were only against it because they wanted to freely disrespect marginalized groups. Now, of course, this take isn't revolutionary now, and it wasn't revolutionary then, but I was so determined to make this point that I traveled with a crew to a Trump rally in central Pennsylvania a few weeks before the 2016 election to film a field piece called The Burden of PC Culture, where I would interview Trump supporters about why they didn't like political correctness. Now, did I and do I profoundly disagree with their choice in 2016 candidate? Absolutely. But was it fair to go there in search of sound bites to prove a point I had already settled on making without getting to know them as three-dimensional people? In retrospect, I think maybe not. Satire clearly has an important place in political discourse. It can be a really useful tool to bring more people into a conversation and speak truth to power in an accessible way. And I made a lot of other videos in those years that I believe used satire intelligently. But this one feels different, because I went to that rally not to genuinely test my hypothesis, but to prove it. And I wasn't doing this with intangible ideas, but with actual real human people. And one of those people I interviewed at that rally is a man named Jesse. After that piece was released online, Jesse was upset to learn that his interview was used satirically. A few months later, when I tweeted about being trolled online, a term I no longer use, Jesse responded that I was a hypocrite because I had once trolled him. I ignored his tweet because I was kind of ashamed that maybe he had a point. I didn't hear from him again for a long time. Then recently, I was interviewed on PBS and spoke about this very podcast. Jesse came across a clip of that show and once again responded that I was a hypocrite. This time, rather than feeling ashamed, I reached out to him with an invitation to come on this show. He accepted. Today's episode brings up some uncomfortable questions for me. In my quest to fight for social justice through satirical videos, did I unfairly hurt someone in the process? And if I did, how can I own up to that without compromising my own beliefs? 
Does apologizing to someone with very different political leanings mean I'm conceding to those political leanings? Well, I'll let you decide for yourself. This conversation is a really beautiful one. It begins by rehashing how we met, but then quickly evolves into a conversation about art and how we find our artistic voices. I hope you listen all the way through. There's a mantra I created for myself as I make this show. It's empathy is not endorsement. And when I say it, I basically mean that we can see someone's humanity without co-signing everything they stand for politically. And if we believe that, can we also believe that apology is not concession? Well, let's see. Here is Jesse. Hello? Hey, it's Dylan. Hey, Dylan. Hey. hey, how you doing, brother? I'm good. How are you? I'm good, man. Hold on. Hold on one second, sure. bro. Yeah, you yeah, know yeah that, Hold on one second. No, that's fine. Dylan, are you there? Yeah. All right, man. Well, this is Jesse. Hey, Jesse. It's nice to re-meet you after we met a little while ago. And, you know, of course, we'll get into the nature of that meeting on this phone call, which I would love to hear how it went for you um, and how you feel sure. about it and how you felt about it. And, of course, I, I welcome your honest feelings and and all of that stuff. Um, but I guess because of the nature of how we met last time, I'm going to hold off on doing the release so you can decide if you feel comfortable with how this went. Okay, Dylan. Sounds good, man. I, I appreciate it. Okay, great. Um, so, Jesse... Hey, Dylan. There's a funky little something happening. I want to try to move to a different place in the house real quick, okay. just while we're on the phone, yeah. and see if it clears up. I think it will, but... Um, I hear sure. you perfectly, for what it's worth, but I'm... I'm hearing like a weird, weird thing. I might be getting weird feedback. Hold on one yeah, second. Yeah, move somewhere else, man. I was just watching your TED Talk and a few things, man. I think you do a very good job. Oh my god. Um, thank you for watching the TED Talk. Is there? Is, are you still getting a weird feedback right now? It doesn't seem like it is much, man. Okay, great. So here, let, let's at least start here so that we're on the same page and we at least get to narrate it together to each other. But um, you and I met two and a half years mm -hmm. ago. It was a Trump rally a few weeks before the election of 2016. So what brought you there? It sounded like kind of an exciting thing to do, kind of... Um, a decent way to spend my day, a fun, interesting way to spend my day. I drove in about an hour and a half from my house and uh, went to a Trump rally, which is where I saw you and your crew outside. And, and we kind of, we exchanged some information. We had, we had a little talk. Yeah. And the reason I went to that rally is that I was working for this no longer uh, existing, but former digital television network that was trying to find its voice, as admittedly I was trying to find my own voice, and I wanted to go to the Trump rally to film this satirical field piece that I had been wanting to film, which was a piece called The Burden of Political Correctness. Correct. Correct. And so I met you at the rally and you were super friendly. And so I wanted to interview you and you felt somewhat misled by what the piece was. And then you saw the piece and you were upset with it, right? In a way, mm -hmm. I was, you know, I thought it was funny, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Like I had lunch with my girlfriend mm -hmm. and she was like, she told me that some video of me at a Trump rally was circulating between her and her friends, and like she was pretty much disgusted. Hmm. Now, 
me thinking that's funny. Like mm. I actually thought it, I looked at, it, I was like, well, I look like shit in that Trump hat. But aside <laughs> from that, like you, you, I, I thought the, I used this line that the first mm-hmm. rule of being a Trump supporter is you don't talk about being mm-hmm. a Trump supporter. And that's how you op- opened the segment. Mm-hmm. I actually thought it was witty. I thought it was funny. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, when I was at that rally, I had half a notion that I was like, I'm not going to say anything to these folks that they can use against me just in case. And mm-hmm. I saw it, and I, I remember I remembered it very clearly, what mm-hmm. happened. And I remember you. I thought you were a very cool-looking dude with a cool haircut. <laughs> me and you had talked about, like, you would try to basically kind of kind of bait me into acting like the reason why political correctness is not good is because we should just be able to kind of call anybody anything and be mm-hmm. be mean to people. And, and I, I remember telling you, I said, well, actually, that's not it at all. Mm-hmm. I said me being against political correctness had more to do with being able to have a conversation mm-hmm. about certain things and not immediately being labeled. That was the power of mm-hmm. uh, non-PC behavior. So, I mean, the the big thing that I always was focused on when I made field pieces, especially with people who I politically disagreed with, was like I never wanted to mince their words and I never wanted to take it out of context. I just wanted to add my own commentary to it. But one thing that I just want to admit to is you said – you said that I baited you into saying something. And I hate that you're using that word, but what I hate more is that you are accurate. No, no, no. I, I, what I hate most is that you're accurate about using that word. Like, I don't feel proud of that. Um, right. And I'm being vulnerable by admitting that. I, re- I really do not like that I did that. And I do not like that you are <laughs> correct. Your word choice is correct. Um, I also felt... I felt scared at that rally. I I thought it was a mistake that I was even there. Why I, did you feel scared, Dylan? I don't because I I was around a lot of people I didn't know and I think I was very nervous about um I didn't like that I was coming there with a camera to make a satirical field piece, you know? And I felt uncomfortable. I felt very much out of my element. I didn't feel like I was around people who were definitely not like-minded, <laughs> but it wasn't even a, a, like, it was, it was people who were more see, I supportive think right there, of... Dylan, Dylan, I think right there mm-hmm. is possibly like stereotypical thought patterns, like on, on your part, like I'm a Trump supporter because I think he, he's like shaking up the system and I, I just, he's endlessly entertaining to me. And I, I totally like feel your vibe and, you know, you, I, I understand that you felt scared and you have your own experiences that would bring that out. But um, to me, that seems unfounded, you know, being you like just because those people are supposedly not like not like minded to you. I mean, you, I'm kind of like minded to you. You know, I mean, you like probably think similar. Well, but whatever discomfort I felt at the time mm. was not because of you. There's a difference between feeling scared of a large group of people versus an individual. I'm talking about the mass of people who supported a person and political ideology that I was and am very opposed to. But- but like what 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 aspect of you did you feel that they would sniff out and expose and maybe make you unsafe was it 
your political affiliations? Yes. Was it the fact that you're gay? Yes. I understand that there are people who identify as certain minority groups who are Trump supporters, mm -hmm. right? Like I, it's not that, right? right. It's, it's, I, I have very different political beliefs, like profoundly different political beliefs. Right. I was out of my element. There, that's the like I know less elegant way to say it. Yeah, I get it. I get it. But but it is. I I felt deeply out of my element, and I was coming from a place where I was profoundly into my element. Right, like I was coming from New York City in my job where we were all we all politically agreed with each other. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, um, I do. I don't feel that you are actually unsafe there, mm -hmm. but that's just me saying that you very well could have been unsafe there, but I do understand how you could feel that way. Yeah, and I I so appreciate you saying that. So, I guess what I want to admit to is what I felt guilty about right. was that I went into this rally and I really wanted to make this like kind of prescripted satirical piece that I had and this is the big thing I had already decided what I wanted to say with the piece which is very different from what I do now and honestly I believe that this podcast grew out of the seed that was planted within me in that rally because when I left that rally I was like I don't I never want to do this again oh, wow. I never ever ever want to go into and and I also want to be super clear this does not mean by any means that tr that rally turned me into a Trump supporter <laughs> like quite the opposite but I never ever ever want to empathy is not uh what was what was that I I didn't hear you oh I said you have a saying that is empathy is not endorsement or something yes, like that yes exactly and I was thinking of you right and I was thinking of of people like you and it's like no I'm not taking their words out of context and you know like I'm, I'm presenting the words as they said them but i don't like that i came into this rally with a pre-scripted idea of what i wanted them to say mm -hmm. and and that well, i just felt I so uncomfortable to, uh, yeah sorry you first i'm sorry no you're fine oh, i'm sorry um it, it's the cell phone rhythm is kind of weird <laughs> no it's um, great so i just want to make it clear that um i don't really care that you made the tape Mm -hmm. I don't care that I was kind of duped. To be honest, half of me goes, okay, don't say anything really dumb here mm -hmm. because these people, you know, it, they honestly might use it against you. Like that's, that was in the back of my mind a little mm -hmm. bit, you know, so I was playing it cool, you know, not taking the bait in a mm -hmm. sense. Um, I mean, first of all, my thought was that motherfucker, <laughs> he thinks that I can't find his show yeah. and know who he is yeah. and that maybe Trump supporters aren't smart enough to have podcasts of their own. Mm -hmm. So I saw you, I just, I friended you or something and on Twitter mm -hmm. or followed you. And at some point I saw you in what I viewed as kind of playing the victim mm -hmm. at, from, from online hate, which is your new podcast, people that hate me. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking, what a hypocrite, what a hypocrite. He took my words, mm -hmm. tried to make a mock, tried to make a mockery out of me, didn't succeed in my opinion. And, and he's playing the victim. So it got my blood not boiling, but it it got me a little hot thinking about it. Got it got you upset, yeah. And so, so I hit you with a text, yeah. And then you hit me back, and it's been all good, you know. Yeah, no, I mean, the only thing I disagree with is that at that time when my videos were super popular, 
I was getting yeah. tons of hate messages, tons of hate messages oh, every day. And so it's not that I was trying to paint myself as the victim. And what I'm trying to own up to now on this call with you and what I'm trying to reconcile with is the fact that I yeah. feel uncomfortable with the fact that I went to a Trump rally and went in with a preconceived notion of how that was going to go. You know, like I, I had a script and I, and I used that script and I expected you to respond to me in the context of that script. And that is what changed me. That is what made me no longer ever want to do anything like that again. Are you saying I changed you? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I'm saying that experience changed me. And I and what oh, okay. I, I'm also saying, but you know, you know, you're part of that experience. So let's loop you into that. Come on, let's give you the credit. Come on. Yeah. But the the feeling that I hated when I left that rally was that I was scared for you to see the peace. And I was like, mm -hmm. I never, ever, ever, ever want that to happen again. Like with this podcast, the most important review is my guests. Like I always want them to feel like what was broadcast is like, oh, yeah, that's the call. You know, like that that is a good yeah. representation of how we spoke to each other. And I think that is where I was changed from that rally. Okay. Well, that, that's, very, that's very interesting. Yeah. Man. Again, I'm not saying – I am not saying that I disagree with what I said politically then. I'm only trying to say that I – I understand I, what you're saying. Man. Yeah. And you don't have to agree with me, and I don't have to agree with you. And you know, the fact is we may agree with each other. We just may see different ways of doing things, to uh -huh, be honest, uh -huh. um, in, a lot of, in a lot of cases anyway. Yeah. Uh, I understand, though. You, you felt bad about um, kind of suckering people in, unaware people. And, and putting them in a context to make fun of them. I, I get it, man. I, I, I appreciate your apology. Mm -hmm. It's not a big deal. Um, I think you're very articulate, and I, and I like your show, dude. Oh, great. Well, <laughs> look at that. Well, this is perfect. So, well, Jesse, yeah. completely separate from all of this, and this is usually mm -hmm. the opening question I have for people on the podcast. Yeah. I don't feel like I really got to know you at that rally, and I would love to start afresh and get to know you now. So tell me about you. Stay right there. We'll be right back. Before we continue, I just want to say thanks for being here. Also, you can be on this show too. Has someone said something negative about you online, or maybe you've said something negative about someone else? Either way, after this episode is over, go to www.conversationswithpeoplewhohateme.com where you can fill out a guest form. And if you don't want to be on this show, that is totally cool. I appreciate you just the same. Maybe consider telling a friend about this show. Word of mouth has brought this podcast around the world, so your recommendation goes a long way. All right, let's get back to the conversation. I don't feel like I really got to know you at that rally, and I would love to start afresh and get to know you now. So tell me about you. I do a podcast called The Shit Show with J-Bo. <laughs> Amazing. Or TSS with J-Bo. TSS with um, J-Bo. I, I lived in Seattle for 20 years. Oh, wow. Yes, yes. Um, I 
am a musician. I grow medical marijuana. Nice. I live in Western Pennsylvania now. Mm-hmm. Um, my father needed some help mm-hmm. with um, his his physical state. He, mm. He's he's a little bit sick. Mm. I'm helping him out. I came here to help my family. Moved from Seattle. Started started fresh in like the place I came every summer. Mm-hmm. I'm from Florida originally, but I would come to Pennsylvania every mm-hmm. summer. Mm-hmm. Um, I how did I become a Trump fan? Well. I went to the RNC, Republican National Convention. I mm. bought a Trump hat. I mm-hmm. saw him speak, and something happened. Hmm. Okay, I, I don't agree with every single thing. Um, I think it's interesting the way he kind of trolls media constantly, the way he battles them. I think it's exciting. I don't know. I just I just enjoy his style. I think he's an outsider. I, I didn't think Hillary Clinton was a good candidate. I thought she was part of the establishment, and uh, I know we throw around those words, but it seemed like everybody was on her side to win, and I can't believe he won. Yeah. I, I know it sounds crazy, but I look at him as a bit of a political hero mm-hmm. for actually beating her because it never I never thought it possible. You know, it's, it's funny, Jesse. Like, you and I clearly I, – I think we disagree very strongly politically, and, mm-hmm. um, and I guess – just in the interest of this, but I don't. I don't know, Dylan. Yeah. I mean, I, I know you can say that, but I mean, and perhaps, perhaps you've, you've, you've come to that conclusion in your mind. I haven't come to that conclusion. We haven't actually discussed politics. I think online can be very polarizing, and maybe from what I've told you, you would assume that, and maybe it's true. But I'm not going to like co-sign that. I don't know that we strongly disagree politically. Well, here's the thing. What I'm trying to reconcile is the fact that. Right now, I feel super comfortable with you, mm-hmm. and I like the experience of talking to you. Sure. But when you say mm-hmm. things like you're a Trump supporter, to me, that just raises mm-hmm. red flags, and it's like, oh, wow, we really disagree. Right. And only because these words are shorthand, right? Like saying Trump right. supporter, then suddenly I'm like, oh, fuck, mm-hmm. like this is a different thing for me. I don't know. Like, I, I, I guess I just have to acknowledge that, that, like, I feel that um, it's not like a fear. I'm because I'm not, you know, like, I'm I'm not at all scared of you for sure at all. I'm it's just mm-hmm. that I it raises this flag in me that I'm like, oh, God, we disagree. I feel like possibly we're conditioned to think those things, and in in a lot of cases there is reason for that, right? Mm-hmm. But um, we may disagree on some things, we may agree on others. I don't know, man. I don't know you well enough, and you know maybe if we sat down for coffee, if I'm ever in Brooklyn, yeah. I don't expect you to do that with me. But I'm saying maybe we could talk about some things. I'm yeah. just not going to co-sign on that, that we because I happen to say I'm a Trump supporter that automatically we're, we're arch rivals politically. I mean, well, I don't, I just, but see, that's the thing is like, we're not arch rivals as humans because like you're a human Correct. being and I'm a human being. And something I want to open up to you about is like, at the time you met me when I was filming that field piece, in a lot of ways, I was searching for an mm-hmm. identity for myself. I was searching for an artistic identity and I was searching for an artistic voice. Another reason I'm not proud of that field piece is I just didn't like that field piece. I didn't think it was saying anything smart, and I also didn't think it was saying anything new. And honestly, I think I was just right. like trying to copy The Daily Show. Yeah. At the time, I was doing things that felt very much in my voice, and this was something that I was like, ew, why did I do that? Why did I do something that feels reductive of other people's work? Right. 
And honestly, I feel like with this show, I've found a voice that I'm proud of, and I think I've found a mission that I really believe in, which is that I think we need to get to know the human on the other side of the screen, and I want to find inroads and ways for people to do that, and I want to host a space for people to do that. But I want you to know that... I'm not a person who thinks that I'm flawless and I'm not a person who thinks that I'm perfect. And I look back at that sure. and I see someone who was trying to find an artistic voice for himself and in that moment didn't quite hit the nail on the head in finding it. Listen, man, I understand what you're telling me because I'm a musician and I go back and listen to old demos of mine and mm -hmm. I go, holy shit, I'm... <laughs> I was ripping off like Michael Stipe. I mm -hmm. can't even listen to it. So I get it, man. Yeah. Like you're a digital artist. You were trying to find your voice and you stumbled a little bit. I agree. The piece wasn't that interesting. Yeah. But whatever. <laughs> Good. I, we, yeah. Look, we do agree on something. That's wonderful. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> I, no, no, no. But, but continue with what you were saying because this is interesting. So you're a musician and t talk to me about the evolution of finding your voice as a musician. Well, I do remember when I found my voice, I was um, singing in some shitty little bar in Seattle. But to me, it was still great, you know, because um, art is its own reward. I mean, there were a few people there. Mm -hmm. But I remember when I actually literally found my singing voice, like mm -hmm. something that was kind of mine, kind of mine, not fully, but, but kind of mine. And I'm just saying, I understand you were trying to find your voice. I've gone back and listened to old demos of mine or old release, like recordings that I've done. Mm -hmm. I can't stand them. I cannot stand listening to them. other people. Like I cringe when they tell me, hey, that was cool. Mm -hmm. You know, so, so I, I do understand that. And that's um, when you put yourself in the public eye, people who have never made art, never put themselves out there, mm -hmm. don't realize that it's, it can be really, really hard. And I mean, I've been dressed down in the look, you know, Seattle week or Seattle stranger, it's called mm -hmm. um, it's local paper. You might, might be aware of it. The stranger just insulted and dissed like a five song EP, like a record that I put out. Mm -hmm. They just, they, they destroyed it publicly. Mm, mm. So I, I know how you feel to look back on things that were public and feel like you stumbled. That's, that's what an artist does. That's the chance or that's the, um, that's the risk we take, mm. you know, when we put things out in the world and it's really, it's really hard sometimes. Thank you for sharing that with me. And I totally get that. And I, I do agree with you. And I think what you did was noble because it was like an artist trying to find their voice. Right. Um, but I think the thing is with my work, and this is truly how I see my work, but I see mm -hmm. my work as like the quote unquote material I use is other people, mm -hmm. right? Like it's other people's stories. And there's a way to do that ethically and there's a way to do that unethically. And what I'm trying to do with this podcast is use other people's stories consensually to make art about it and to make work from it. And I totally stand by that and I as I speak to, to you now, I can tell you I'm very proud of this and I like doing this. But what I did then is I was, I, I was using the same paint, so to speak, or to put it in a, in a music metaphor, I was, I was using the same instruments of human beings, but mm -hmm. I, I don't know that I was doing it in a way that I still stand by today, right? Like, because the difference between my instruments and your instruments of the respective art that we make is that mm -hmm. your instruments don't have feelings, right? Like if you play something that you're not thrilled by, the instruments you use to record that, the instruments you use to play that don't have a feeling about how they feel used by that. What I don't like is that when I mess up, my instruments, i.e. humans who I should be working mm -hmm. with and not 
working to shape into my view of how I see this piece already existing, that is what um, makes me feel uncomfortable looking back at that piece. Not only was it not that smart, and not only was it not that good, but that I I affected your feelings in a negative way. That is what makes me uncomfortable, if that makes sense. It does make sense, and you give me a little bit too much credit. I also do a podcast, and although I don't use humans in the same way, I, I tell I, I tell a lot of stories about people that I know and use different names. So I'm using their experiences to, in a sense, like take the piss out of them, to yeah, make fun yeah. of them. So I get it. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. No, I'm, I mean, but also I think there's something like transformative about this, right? The ability to actually own up to something and then talk honestly with the with the person who you want to talk to. Like, I, I honestly can't tell you how much I appreciate this call for that very reason. You know, like, I, I like this. I like talking to you. I like talking through this, and I like... Yeah, I, I'm really comfortable, really, really happy with it. Yeah, me, t- me too. But I also think all humans have this ability too, and all humans have this power and the potential to have these conversations with each other. I agree, and they should do more than th- more of this. Um, to give you an example, one time, you know, there's a lot of, like, propaganda about um, like Muslim folks and mm-hmm. you know, they're to- totally different different mm-hmm. than us. And I actually went to Turkey. I went to Istanbul mm-hmm. and um, I-, I stayed with like three Muslim brothers, you mm-hmm. know, and one was, one was atheist. Mm-hmm. Two were like fully Muslims. We talked about my religion. They were trying to get me stoned and drunk on this mm-hmm. um, tur- Turkish liquor and, and, and bud. And, uh, I was like, holy shit, you know, I'm, I'm in a Muslim household and this is, these are no different than the 22 year old people that would be back home in America. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Break down the walls, have conversations. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful thing. I, I agree. And this is a great medium. Wait, so, so you host a podcast. Tell me about that. Yeah. It's called TSS with Jabo, And, mm-hmm. uh, I've been doing it for about five or six years. It started off at hollow earth radio in Seattle. Mm-hmm. Um, originally it was, just me playing music and I got to actually having people on my show, just friends. And then I started contacting musicians to interview. And I was really surprised at how many musicians that I was actually fans of would come on my show. Mm -hmm. Um, I've interviewed people. I've interviewed um, like drummers, like the first drummer of the Beatles, Pete Best. I got to interview him. Um, I interviewed a guy from Built to Spill, the singer, uh, guys from Modest Mouse, um, guys Mm. from REM, just like some of my favorite bands. I got to interview and I put them out as a podcast. Um, and now since I've left Seattle, I still interview people from time to time, but I've learned that I kind of just enjoy setting up a mic mm. and literally doing stream of consciousness for about 40 minutes. Mm. And I vowed about five months ago mm-hmm. to put out one year's worth of podcasts weekly and then see where I was at. Yeah. So I'm about 19 weeks into that year and, yeah. uh, it's called the shit show with Jabo, um, or TSS with Jabo. We're on iTunes it's kind of weird. It's kind of wacky. It's not nearly as professional or as like manicured as yours, mm-hmm. but um, it's still a podcast. That's still amazing. Cool. So you know what that reminds me of? Have you read that Ira Glass quote about creativity? No. Okay, so I'm going to read it to you now just because I think what you did mm-hmm. is is very similar. And I mm-hmm. uh, quote, hold on, it's, it's so beautiful. And this actually like really... Um, this really, really resonated with me. So you're, you're not a beginner, but this is what Ira Glass said to beginners, but I'll, you'll, you'll see what I'm mm-hmm. referring to here. 
Ira said, nobody tells this to people who are beginners. I wish someone told me, all of us who do creative work, we get into it because we have good taste. But there is this gap. For the first couple of years, you make stuff. It's just not that good. It's trying to be good, but it has potential, but it's not. But your taste, the thing that got you into the game, is still killer. And your taste is why your work disappoints you. A lot of people never get past this phase. They quit. Most people I know who do interesting creative work went through years of this. We know our work doesn't have the special thing that we want it to have. We all go through this. And if you are just starting out or you are still on this phase, you got to know it's normal and the most important thing you can do is to do a lot of work. Put yourself on a deadline. This is the part that made me think of you. Put yourself on a deadline so that every week you will finish one story. It's only by going through a volume of work that you will close that gap and your work will be as good as your ambitions. And I took longer to figure that out how to do this than anyone I've ever met. I'm gonna, it's going to take a while. It's normal to take a while. You've just got to fight your way through. And I think what's so beautiful about that is like, we're all doing that. I'm trying to doing that, do that with this podcast by setting myself on a deadline. And I love that you've set yourself on a deadline for you know, doing it weekly. Like, What have you learned by doing it weekly? What was really inspiring to me, I got to interview a guy from a podcast called True Crime Garage. His name is The Captain. Mm-hmm. It's a great true crime podcast. Mm-hmm. And he told me, that when they when they started out their podcast, he wanted to do it once a week, mm-hmm. and he's like, "That's the only way you'll get a following. You have to be consistent with it." And so I just thought about that for a few months, and at one point, I didn't know if I was going to quit the podcast or keep going with it. And I just had this random thought: do it for a year every mm-hmm. week. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "There's no way in hell I'll yeah. do that. There's yeah. no way." But I said, "You know what? Fuck it." And I did it, and it's been um, like 19 straight. Um, I'm actually recording music in a month, so I'm taking a month off, but I've banked five podcasts so I can put them That's out amazing. every Tuesday. So yeah. I'm not, it's look, here's the deal. We can sit around and wait for lightning to strike as artists. Yeah. But the real deal is you have to work, man. You have to work. Yeah. It's the work ethic, even if it sucks, because then you'll be ready when the lightning hits and everything will be 10 times better because you know, you'll be oiled up and you'll be ready to rock. Yeah. Know? No, I, to- I totally agree with that. Um, well, Jesse, do you have any, um, kind of final questions for me? Let me see here, Dylan. I wrote down a bunch, but okay. <laughs> the best kind of the best kind of talks yeah, are the ones where you organic. actually throw, throw out your question. Yeah. Um, let's see. I don't know if any of these questions I had for you still apply, but I'm going to look at them <laughs> okay, real good, quick. Good, good, good. Take your time. Um, okay, there's only one that kind of sticks out. Yeah. It's, it's slightly pro- probing. No, that's fine. But I felt like I felt like. When I first clapped back at mm-hmm. you, mm-hmm. you know, for, for you putting that piece out mm-hmm. and you, I didn't know what to expect. I was a little nervous. You know, you are when you like kind of confront somebody, mm-hmm. even like no matter who you are, you immediately like erased the post. I retweeted you yes, with yes, a comment yes. on top. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you deleted the, your tweet. Yeah. So there was no content. Yeah. And then, so I, I clapped back the second time and you immediately like hit me with a message. Mm-hmm. And I felt like that was a way to, to quell the, like the negativity. And I appreciate that. Yeah. The question I had here, I don't even know if it still applies is, um, why do you care so much if people have an issue with you? Wow. Oh man. <laughs> that's a, I think that's a probing question, but only in the best way. Um, <laughs> I, wow. That really opens up a big can of worms for me. So mm-hmm. one to just address, 
I deleted the tweet you retweeted, not because of you, but mm -hmm. because I had taken that video down for a totally different reason. But I do, I do remember oh, okay. seeing that. And I remember being mm -hmm. so scared of that. And I remember being scared <laughs> because I felt like, oh man, like I, I feel like this person saw me do something that I'm not proud of. And right. I felt incredibly seen and incredibly scared by that. I almost, I can now almost recall, it, this was back when I still used the word troll, but it was, you said something along the lines of like, at Dylan Marin, like, why are you pretending that you are being trolled when you're a troll yourself? And I was like, I know who this is. And I feel <laughs> so ashamed. And I feel ashamed because I don't like that I did something with him that I'm not proud of, you know? Um, right. And then, and I, and I just want to be honest with you, like, I have thought of that rally repeatedly since doing this podcast, right? Because this podcast invites me into people's lives in a really intimate and beautiful way. And I've been like, man, I wish I, 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 I've searched back for that tweet, that original tweet you wrote, I could never find you. And then when you retweeted the interview I did on Amanpour on, on PBS, I was like, oh my God, this is an opportunity. I'm going to message him. And it was really because this podcast has shown me the power of being able to yeah. own what we've done in the past, but to also take the other person's feelings into consideration, ask that person their feelings, to apologize when you feel that it's right to apologize, and also to break down the walls that stand between us on the internet. And that's why I DM'd you this time to own up to it, was really because you'd, you had been on my mind for a long time as a person <laughs> who I knew was like, did not feel good about a field piece I had made with you. I felt guilty about that. And then when you retweeted this, I, I was like, oh my God, I have the opportunity to like reach out to this guy again. And that's why I did. I appreciate that. And you know, there's, there's nothing, honestly, like I talk with my girlfriend about mm -hmm. this all the time when people start blaming other people for their problems or like not owning up, like mm -hmm. it, for, for better, for worse, there's, there's literally nothing better in the human experience yes. than to just to just own up because you realize you're in control. Like yeah. you own up and it's not that bad. You're yeah. facing it. You know, yeah. that's, that's a beautiful thing. I completely you know? agree with that. And I feel like I, and I truly, Jesse, I thank you because you have given me the opportunity to do that on this call. And you know, the, the roles are reversed here, right? Like now it is, right. it is I who is apologizing for something that I regret from the past. And I feel so grateful for the opportunity to, for you to receive that. I cannot emphasize enough how much that means to me. So thank you. Hey man, I love doing podcasts. I love having conversations. This is great. Great. Well, <laughs> look at that. Oh my God. And I feel yeah. like what we can learn from this and, you know, if this is, if this gets to be an episode, of course, with your permission, mm -hmm. but if this gets to be an episode, I think what a beautiful lesson that we can share with people that like, if if you are the not only if you're the recipient of negativity, but if you have said something negative in the past or you have done something that you're not so proud of, of course, with the exception of like if you have done something that you have significantly harmed someone, I think that's a different story. But if you've said something that was mean to someone, or in my case, if you've done something that you're not proud of, 
I think the power of owning up to it is incredible. You know, like, and it feels so good. I can, I can tell you that with, with 100% assurance. We, we all have said shitty things and done shitty things. Absolutely. It feels good. Yeah, yeah for sure. Totally. Um, so Jesse, how about instead of doing the release right now, mm-hmm. why don't, why don't I send it to you and, and you see how you feel about it? Does that sound good? First of all, I'm 99% sure I'll be comfortable with it. <laughs> okay, um, great. But, but yes, but yeah, that, that's fine. Yeah. Just, I, to me, I, I'm, I'm really excited, actually. It's yeah. a really nice conversation, you know? Hello? Hey, Jesse. Hey, Dylan. Hey. What's going on, man? How, how are you? Wait, so your phone is about to die. Yeah, I mean, okay. I got a couple minutes. Yeah, it's, okay. it's a long story, but yeah, dude. We can... I just wanted to, if you could call me just a few minutes earlier, that would be great. Yes, and now you. here we are. Look at us, eight minutes early. <laughs> so, Jesse, you just listened to the episode as it will be going out, and I figured that since the circumstances under which we met were that you felt kind of um, duped into being part of something you didn't know what it was, this time I wanted to uh, do it differently and make sure you knew what you were part of. So do you feel comfortable with the episode that you heard? Yes. I, I thought it was very well done. Oh, it made me feel good. Oh, good. I feel uh, really optimistic about listening to the thing. Yeah. It comes out for real. Um, well, Jesse, uh, thank you so much for um, listening to it. And thanks for uh, taking the time to do this little mini call. I just want to say on a personal note, this call meant a lot to me. And thank you for kind of taking the opportunity to do it. And, and um, yeah, I just appreciated talking to you. So thank you. It was a hell of a good time. I'm looking forward to it, man. Well, um, I will see you on the internet and hopefully we'll talk soon. All right, buddy. Talk soon. I love that, man. All right. (laughs) Sounds good. Bye, Jesse. See you, Dylan. Bye-bye. If you'd like to be a guest on this show, please visit www.conversationswithpeoplewhohateme.com for more information. Conversations with People Who Hate Me is a production of Night Vale Presents. Vincent Cachione is the sound engineer and mixer. Christy Gressman is the executive producer. The theme song is These Dark Times by Caged Animals. The brand new logo was designed by Philip Blackowl with a photo by Mindy Tucker. And this podcast was created, produced, and hosted by me, Dylan Marin. Special thanks to Adam Cecil and our publicist, Megan Larson. We'll be releasing episodes every other week, so I will see you in two weeks with a brand new conversation. Until then, remember, there's a human on the other side of the screen. Dark times.